in this edition of Whosology's in the Lab, Matt and Justin discuss if players in the NBA should be able to kick fans out from games. We also discuss if John Moran has what it takes to push Memphis to the NBA Finals, who's to blame for the recent struggles of the Dallas Mavericks, but first, we talk about Matt's experience watching two of the best NBA teams go at it with the Denver Nuggets and Milwaukee Bucks. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod.gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest content. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Hoopsology's In The Lab. Welcome to In The Lab with Hoopsology. As always, I am Matt Thomas, joined by my co-host, one of my best friends, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Can't complain. How about yourself? Oh, doing great, man. As you know, I was in your new home state this last week uh, right. for spring break. Had a great time, some cabin time, and then uh, sliding through the snow, made my way, thankfully, safely up to yeah. Denver. Right. Got to check out the Bucks versus Nuggets game. So definitely want to talk about that along with some other topics. How's your weekend been? Uh, good. Um, not eventful. Just, you know, watching March Madness. Like I said it before last time we talked, but continues to beat us a crazy tournament. And congrats to San Diego State repping the Mountain West. I mean, that, that might be a little taboo, but for us being fans of, you know, the first of WAC and now the, the Mountain West, good to see some representation there. Um, but I am worried, like our buddy said, he's, he's worried that they might go to the Pac-12. So hope that doesn't happen. But uh, we'll see. But nevertheless, enjoy this tournament for now. But congrats to San Diego State. Yes. Well, all these universities are opportunistic like that. So it wouldn't shock me. But I agree with your sentiment there. Congratulations to San Diego State, Kawhi Leonard's alma mater, and uh, also to Florida Atlantic University. That's right. I mean, what a crazy Final Four matchup that it's guaranteed that one of those two teams will be in the championship game. And uh, our beloved New Mexico Lobos beat San Diego State in the regular season. So, right. hey, at least we can give ourselves like a, the tiniest of pats on the back that, <laughs> you know, we beat potentially the national champion or at least a uh, champion finalist if they make it that far. Uh, so it, an insane tournament all around. Uh, we haven't talked about it a whole lot on this podcast, but definitely worth mentioning that it has just been awesome to see throughout the tournament and the tournament has had great ratings throughout as well. Uh, just really cool to see. And March madness is still reigning supreme. Uh, so without further ado, let's move into the start of our main topics here, Justin, before we get into that, we, as usual, will be mentioning some gambling odds, really helpful for framing some of these conversations and giving context to what the experts that have a lot of money on the line are thinking. For that, we will be using bovadasportsbook.com. So let's go ahead and get into it. I had the privilege, as I mentioned earlier, of attending the Nuggets versus Milwaukee Bucks in Denver, and I got to see two of the top three MVP candidates face off against each other. Thankfully they were both healthy and well, and they were ready to go. Neither of them really disappointed. Um, you know, it felt like a very slow first half for Nikola Jokic. I, I believe he had 13 points at halftime, 
whereas Giannis, I think, was already at 20-some points. I, I didn't watch on the TV broadcast, but uh, just giving you my recollection here. Giannis, in the first five minutes, so, so my son doesn't really have huge basketball allegiance. This was his first NBA game. He, he's just rooting for the Bucks like incessantly we're in <laughs> ball arena in Denver and he's just like shouting like every time Giannis gets a dunk which I think was like four of his first five field goals my son is like standing up and cheering <laughs> and I, I'm just kind of like clapping along kind of like keeping my arm around him just making sure he doesn't he doesn't get booed but no the fans were really cool there no no issues like that but uh it, it was just awesome to see a talent as unique as Giannis is in person. I felt the same way when I saw Jokic beat my Rockets last year at Ball Arena. Just someone who really jumps off the court. And it's you see that contrast a little bit better when you're live and in person, I feel. Um, So really amazing game. Very competitive, like two and a half quarters. And then the Nuggets really impressed me and just blew the doors off essentially and uh, just ran all over the bucks at the end of the game. They even sat their starters, I think with about six minutes to go or so. So the nuggets, I mean, kudos to them. We've said on this podcast that we're not really too trusting of their defense. They brought it on that Saturday night. Uh, Justin, did you happen to catch highlights of this game? Did anything stand out to you? I did. Caught some highlights. And what really stood out to me is how complete the Nuggets are as a team. Mm. And it was weird because some people probably are not going to take this too serious, but I saw them play Chicago and all the starters were hurt, and including uh, the Joker. And I just, when, and the Bulls beat them, and that was when Lonzo Ball was healthy. That tells you how long ago this was. But um, just to see how they're able to really keep up with, they really, at the time, Chicago was really killing it at the time and still keep it very competitive with just the depth they have in that team. So I think Denver is a serious title contender, and I know they play in like a mid-level market. They're not the flashiest team, but they're one of the most entertaining teams to watch in the league. I mean, I just think just because they're not splashed over the headlines, they don't have the sexiest names. You know, there's a lot of resentment over the Joker possibly being a three-time MVP. There's just a lot of, you know, kind of hate on on that squad that I think is unnecessary. So they kind of get buried behind just the more sexier teams in the league. But, I mean, they're going to be a title contender, and I think the expectations of them being in the NBA Finals, I think, is not um, unrealistic. I think that's that's going to be right into radar in terms of their expectations in the playoffs. Yeah, it's so weird because the West is, it feels like, simultaneously – super competitive and simultaneously a disaster. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about more of that as we go along in the show. Speaking of title odds, I, I did look them up again on Bovada and the nuggets right now are fourth in title odds at plus 800, the bucks in first at plus 300. So really cool. And I'm glad, you know, we planned this trip a long time ago. My family did to go to this game. I'm just so glad that things played out the way they did, that both those players were playing, as I said earlier, but also that they're both two out of the three top dogs in the MVP race that's going on. And um, I I think just to close out the game, I, I do think this is a big 
statement win for Denver. And I think it's uh, just one last little stamp on Jokic's resume as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, which is where technically the MVP race ends uh, in the regular season. So uh, let's talk about the MVP race real quickly. Embiid has had some kind of confusing quotes of late uh, about the MVP, but nonetheless, he remains on Bovada, the odds on favorite for the MVP at minus 125, Jokic in second at plus 120, and Giannis in third at plus 600. So there's your your sort of uh, three-player race for MVP as it stands right now. You do have Tatum and Luka, who we'll talk about later, who are in the mix as well, but they are far behind now. There's a huge gap between Giannis and Tatum at third and fourth there. So I think it's it's a bummer because we just got news today that Embiid is not going to face off against Jokic. A lot of analysts disappointed in that. I'm disappointed in that too, especially given that Embiid seems kind of nonchalant about the whole thing and like it doesn't really matter, which then makes me as someone, if if I did have a vote, I'd be saying, okay, well then maybe you don't value this award. And we have this weird thing where we heard rumors last week of, you know, this this MVP argument has really, really demoralized and affected Jokic. Like, and this was when the Nuggets were slumping. So you're like, okay, well, that's weird. I mean, we get your selfless and a great player and all that. Yes, we all acknowledge that. But like, do you want this MVP? Like, come on. And then we hear these comments from Embiid. And it shouldn't be the determinant. Of course, it should just purely be on performance. But when you hear statements like this, I, for for my money, I just say, give it to Giannis then. Because <laughs> this guy is trying hard and his team is at the top of the East. Now, of course, all three of these guys are trying hard and playing hard. But kind of an odd dynamic. Embiid's still the favorite. Justin, what are you kind of predicting now with this MVP race? We don't have many games left to go. I, I think about uh, a little over 10 games for most of the teams left. Yeah. I don't really have a clear answer and it, it's weird how they're putting so much uh, pressure on themselves to win this award. Cause the end game is the championship. Like, I mean, all three of these teams are in line to win the title. So if they win MVP, but they, they lose in the NBA finals or they get bounced in the conference finals, like they're going to take way more crap on that. And then, Honestly, the MVP is probably more of a burden anyway if they win it and if they're disappointing in the playoffs. So personally, to answer your question, I really like Giannis or Embiid as like the two front runners. I think it's going to be really difficult for the Joker to just get that 3P. I just think it's going to be so tough. This, including this, in regards to the narrative, his his style of play, I just – don't see it going to be resonating in, you know, other journalists' minds when they're picking who's going to be the best player in the league. And especially when it's so tight. I mean, it's so close. I could see if he was, there was really no one else to challenge him. Um, but it's so close. And I think this is going to be an excuse to give it to somebody else, despite <laughs> um, and be just complaining about it consistently. So it's going to be so fascinating to see how the vote turns out and, and what the justification is one way or the other. Agreed. Because with three front runners like this and so many different narratives out there, I mean, you can, you can use like the 
two-way player type of argument to argue Embiid and Giannis over Jokic potentially. You could use that plus-minus stat that Jokic is dominating that I quoted last week to argue for Jokic. You could, of course, say the remove Jokic from the Nuggets and they're much worse off than the Bucks or the Sixers removing those stars potentially. Um, you know, there's just so many different ways you can take this. So um, I think in in some ways, you know, it's kind of like the, what is it, like the ink block test. Like what what do you see? This is projecting your psychology as, as a voter with who you're picking. Uh, but I, I love that uh, it is a tight race and it's, it's a legitimately interesting conversation, even with all the silliness that has gone on in some things that you and I have both seen. There are some legitimately interesting narratives there too, if if you look for them. And uh, just to kind of tie a bow on the championship odds with all this, we mentioned, of course, the Bucks being first place, best odds to be NBA champion on Bovada, Nuggets in fourth, um, and then in sixth, you have the 76ers. So that's how your MVP candidate teams are shaping up. And um, any thoughts on MVP before we move on to the next topic, Justin? <clears throat> um, I don't. I think we'll kind of, it kind of ties in our other topics just because of Morant and Luca. They were MVP candidates as well, but for different reasons, they have not, they have fallen out of being in contention. So we'll get to it. Right on, moving right along then. I wanted to talk about someone who is big in the headlines who is back. And that, of course, is John Morant. Uh, In some ways, it oddly feels like he never left. It it seemed, at least to me, maybe part of it was being on vacation, but seemed like he actually wasn't gone all that long compared to things that we were hearing and, and sort of the doom and gloom projections that were out there that like, we might not see him again this year. Well, he's back. He was kind enough to come back this past Wednesday against the Houston Rockets and uh, just lay the smack down on them and break my heart in the fourth quarter. So thanks, Ja. Uh, just kidding, of course. But in, in all seriousness, the Grizzlies have won their last six games. They seem like they haven't really missed a beat If anything, Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, just got more experience being kind of the lead of that offense for a little while while uh, Jaw was out. He right now, by the way, on Bovada, is second in odds for Defensive Player of the Year at plus 140. Um, You know, the two main issues that they're going to have, I think, moving into the playoffs are that Steven Adams is being reevaluated in one month for that PCL sprain that he has. And that's just being reevaluated. So who knows if he's coming back. And of course, as we mentioned before, Brandon Clark, one of their main contributing scorers off the bench is out for the season with his Achilles tear. Um, But how are you feeling about this team now? I mean, did we get too wrapped up in the jaw incident hype? Do you see them where, I guess, where do you kind of see their ceiling now that jaws back and they are clicking on all cylinders again? Yeah. So the good news is that as recorded on this podcast, they're on a winning streak. I believe it is six games. That's right. Um, So that proves great for them. And also, that seemed to fuel them while Ja was out. It seems like they had a chip on their shoulders. So that's good news. Uh, bad news is with Morant back and with the pressure only going to be increased, 
let's face it, the Grizzlies are inexperienced in terms of super high pressure situations. And we've seen it throughout, you know, NBA history, the first time entering the playoffs, especially, you know, the Western Conference finals, the finals, like really game seven, really high pressure scenarios. And I realize the Grizzlies have been there before, but, you know, when you get to the finals, we are dealing with just more expectations because the Grizzlies, they're not like a surprise team. This is not a team coming out of nowhere. This is not like, hey, they're having a great season. They're a Cinderella. This team has expectations now, and John Morant is the front man. And if he has not meet them, I mean, let's say he has a couple of bad games in the Western Conference Finals. How's he going to react? How's he going to take all the jokes in terms of, you know, what happened with him early? I mean, he's not going to get any sympathy they're going to be coming from. How's he going to be able to handle that? We don't know. And, and now I they have dirt on him. Yeah. Yep. So I'm skeptical when the pressure is at its highest, how he's going to handle it. And I think... Again, they're not playing, you know, no disrespect to my Chicago Bulls. They're not playing my Bulls in the playoffs. They're playing <laughs> elite Western Conference teams. So, you know, if he has a bad game, if Memphis, you know, the others, you know, supporting players, you know, of his teammates, you know, if they play well, that's not going to be enough against, you know, other elite Western Conference teams. So that is a concern. That is my worry because I didn't, I didn't have that entering this season. I think that is a legitimate concern. Um, heading into the playoffs for them because I would consider them along with Denver, you know, a huge favorite to be a representative coming out of that conference. Yeah. Speaking of which right now, the Grizzlies on Bovada are the eighth best odds for, to be NBA champion. And that is the fifth ranked team in the Western conference at uh, plus 1400, just behind the Clippers. Interestingly enough, I see the Timberwolves right now sitting in seventh, who would be their first round matchup if the playoffs were today and a play-in tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but my other point was going to be if the Timberwolves keep on their winning ways of late, they would leapfrog the Warriors and we could potentially get that Grizzlies-Warriors <laughs> matchup in the first round. Uh, which would be kind of interesting if things landed that way. The Warriors would be then in a more inferior position even than they were last year. I mean, last year that didn't matter. As we all know, they they wound up being champs. But we could just go ahead and and kind of rip that Band-Aid off right in the first round potentially this year, depending on how this shakes out. But I think if you're a Grizzlies fan right now, you're feeling pretty good. You're breathing a sigh of relief that John Morant is back and this team, if anything, they kind of got out of the funk that they were in right before John Morant got suspended. So it's oddly, um, you know, in, in spite of the chaos around John Morant, oddly for this team, it may have been that, um, that sort of struggle that they needed to bind together and, and rise up. So this certainly gives them, like you said, it gives material for teams and opposing fans to use against John Morant. And I think that's a real legit point. The counter to that, I guess, is if they feel that sense like they did last year of being the underdogs and being able to use that as motivation, that could be the long-term positive of it. Of course, only time will tell. Um, anything else on the Grizzlies before we move to another Western Conference team in some chaos right now? No. Uh, let's get to more drama. <laughs> All right. Let's keep the drama going. D for drama. 
D for disaster, D for Dallas is who we're talking about right now with all of this. And of course, the Dallas Mavericks at the time of the recording of this podcast, the Mavericks are 36 and 39 below 500. More importantly, they are in 11th place in the Western Conference, meaning they, if the season ended today, they would not even be in the play-in tournament. And you and I both ranked Luca last week as a top 10 player in the NBA right now uh, among current active players. They've lost their last four games. They're three and seven in their last 10 games. Of course, they have Kyrie Irving there. I believe they are six and 10 as of right now when Kyrie Irving plays. So things not going well in Dallas to, uh, to put this lightly. Um, Justin, I'll just put it bluntly. Uh, how disappointing would this be for Dallas to miss the play-in tournament? Oh, massive. I mean, when they got Kyrie, people were saying, are they going to win the, the title? So it's, it's a massive disappointment. At the same time, for Mavericks fans, so it's tough, right? Because you have two, uh, you know, probably at the top 20 players in the league. So expectations are going to be high. At the same time, there is an acclimation process you have to wonder about the pieces around them moving forward. Kyrie Irving changed the dynamics of that team. And I don't think they're expecting Kyrie to be op- to be available at the beginning of the season. So I think there is time for the Mavericks to adapt. But at the same time, you know, next season, it, depending on how things work out, there's going to be a lot of massive expectations on this team. I mean, if they under-deliver, I think there's going to be some huge questions on Luka in terms of his legacy or not. He is a fantastic player, but I think we're going to get into, like you said, Matt, I think your um, prediction was correct, into James Harden territory in terms of you know this guy being a great player, but is he a superstar that can lead your team to the promised land? And I guess probably next season, um, if we see something similar to this season, um, I think the Heat's going to be on him pretty tremendously say the least interesting i i do think there is potentially maybe a little bit more urgency though because if they don't if they don't make the play in tournament uh, do they guaranteed get kyrie irving to sign and return next year that's true and that true. that's kind of the thing hanging in the balance for this team right is if they don't even make the play in tournament. I mean, what, what is really the incentive for Kyrie to come back unless he just really enjoys Dallas guaranteed. I I know people might frame it different ways, but guaranteed Kyrie would get offers from other teams this off season. But what is, but to your, but with Kyrie, he didn't, didn't he demand a trade out of Brooklyn. Look where the the Nets were, right? (laughs) Like the Nets weren't struggling. Like they were a contender to win the East. So right. at this point, we don't know what his motivation is. Like, what does this guy want to do? I mean, I mean, like you say, he may love Dallas and may love playing with Luca. Like, winning may not be necessarily his priority. So we don't know what he wants, to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's a yeah, weird situation. fair point. Yeah, fair point. I think you know, in in Brooklyn, it certainly got personal. It I did. think after he was suspended for those reasons sure. uh, that we all know and have talked about. But so I think. For sure, that was like personal getaway from that organization. I think there are still enough teams, in spite of the many stops that Kyrie has had, I think there are still teams that are willing to sign for the uh, oohs and ahs that he brings when when he plays at peak level that he's still capable of uh, from time to time. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, how many bridges can you burn? That that is a question that uh, is is fair to ask. Certainly, um, interestingly enough, I mean, maybe uh, a silver lining here for Mavericks fans. Your team is still on Bovada, tenth best in terms of odds to be NBA champion. So, if nothing else, it speaks to Vegas's respect for Luca as that star of that franchise, I would say, because that's pretty much the only thing right now that you're hanging your hat on is Luca is playing awesome. Even when, you know, a 40, 12, eight performance isn't enough to get things done. He's still able to do it. Um, those odds are plus 2,500, by the way, to be NBA champions. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of questions in Dallas. I think, as they are reviewing what they did, I do wonder if now they acknowledge like we gave up too much of something that we needed desperately in getting rid of Dory Finney-Smith. Um, we don't have the defense <laughs> that we need, and we already didn't have the rebounding that we so desperately need. Christian Wood coming over from the Rockets, he's not a rebounder. That's been pretty clear throughout the season. He hasn't been able to fill that that role. He's been a good um, pick and roll partner with Luca at times and things like that. But a lot of problems in Dallas, and you know you could take it in so many ways because you have your star if you can keep him. And as much as I questioned Luca's heart last week, I will say that I don't I don't blame him a whole lot for Dallas's overall struggle. Like, I think that does keep him from MVP conversation. You picked Luca for MVP in our start of the season prediction. And I thought that was a great pick. I like, I was not ripping on you for making that pick. And I don't think anyone was. So speaks to more to the mismanagement Dallas rather than, um, you know, Luca not being able to take care of business. I mean, we've already seen glimpses of him doing that in the playoffs, even more so than James Harden has to this point. And James Harden, of course, has had a much longer career. Um, so yeah, very interesting. We'll keep an eye on that situation in Dallas for sure. And we will be talking about that again if they do not make the play-in tournament. I can guarantee you that. Last question for you, Justin, as we um, as we move in to the end of this podcast one thing that happened in the most recent Mavericks game where they shamefully lost against the, I'm sorry, but pathetic Charlotte Hornets. Uh, <laughs> they lost twice in a row back to back against the Hornets. Um, something was said. So, so we don't know the full details. I have to say that right off the bat, but something was said by a fan that bothered Kyrie Irving this is not the first time this has ever happened in an NBA game. I can think of LeBron James doing this. I can think of Russell Westbrook doing this in different cases, but is something that I think visually watching a game is very odd to see unfold. And then you have no context as to what happened that justified it. And what I'm referring to is we get a stoppage of play and Kyrie Irving walks I would say about three quarters of the way across the court with an official and points out to security, a gentleman, um, well, maybe not a gentleman, depending on what was said, uh, but a, a person who was sitting out in the crowd and just has him removed from the game. Just tell him, get him out of here. Again, I don't know what he said, 
There were rumors that I saw that he was saying that the earth is round to mock Kyrie Irving for that infamous flat earth interview a couple years back, several years back at this point. My, my question here to get to the point is it, it's weird optics to see a player kicking out a fan. And I don't think a player on, on the other side of things should have the responsibility to be like security and managing this situation. Is it, should it be allowable for players to just say to presumably a paying customer, like get out of here and should we be given more info on why that happened? So let me ask you a question, Matt. So you saw the Nuggets play the Rockets last year, right? You were fairly, you're close. We had nice from wrong, right? That's right. How much, how much security was around in that area? Where would you say? Not, not, um, not ticket people. Yeah, yeah. After, like security. Yeah, that's a good question. It was probably. I would say maybe half a dozen security oh, wow. members on the floor, maybe a little quite bit a more lot. than that. Of course, we're talking more than a year ago that I was at that game, so my memory could be hazy. I don't remember a whole lot of security, I guess is my point. Gotcha. Okay. So it's tough because it is. Yeah. Back in the, you know, I guess and the, a lot of the NBA old-timers, the good old days, you know, like with Charles Barkley, we are talking about this off-air, you know, he punched fans, he spit on fans, like, just because of the heinous stuff they were calling him. And they weren't, I don't think they were ragging on him because of his field goal percentage. <laughs> it was racial. And I think from that regard, athletes pointing out fans, and I see in a fairly calm manner, except Russell Westbrook, um, I don't have a problem with, I think the issue now, are there negatives for sure? Right. Like what are these fans actually saying? And I think you get into, you know, ruining the fan experience, right? Like, you know, me and you were in college, right, Matt? Like <laughs> along <laughs> with sure. our buddies, I mean, we took pleasure in hazing the other team now, not now it goes over the line. I think we've seen that now with the advent of social media. Race gets brought into it. Yeah. Personal lives get not with brought us, into but it. Certainly, yeah. certainly can. <laughs> yeah, not not with us in college, but just you know right. other fans you now nowadays. So it gets really, really personal. So things go over the line. So I think, like you said, that's where security needs to be mindful. I think a code of conduct with the fans would be the most appropriate. And that's obvious, right? Like nothing racial, anti-Semitic, sexist, homophobic. I mean, those are basic things that should not be said in a, just say any venue of entertainment. Um, and I think for security should take care of that. I think where you get into sketchy territories, like with the flat earth, I don't have a problem with the fans saying that. I don't have a problem with um, him talking to Kyrie being like, hey, like, I don't know, if he missed five three throws, free throws in a row, that would never happen. But let's just say he's struggling at the line. Like, you suck from <laughs> from the line. Like, you're a bum. Like, I don't – to me, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think – I don't know. What is the old adage? I, and if I get inappropriate, I apologize. But wasn't it like a senator? Like, he was saying, like, how do you spot obscene content? Like you kind of know it when you see it, right? Right. Like right. we know we know what what's obscene. I mean, come on, it doesn't take too much of a genius to decipher that. So I think I agree 
with the security being the first line of defense. But I would say compared to fans, I'm sorry, compared to athletes laying their hands on fans or getting physical, I agree with the um, athlete pointing out the fan. If that's going to avoid another mouse in the palace situation, then so be it. But is there another way for sure? This puts half security, just be more mindful of what's going on. Right. Yeah. And I guess, I guess my kind of larger point is I think the NBA right now with many of its fans, I think there's an image problem. There's a problem with load management. There is a narrative that's going around that players just don't care about the fans, like whatever, I'm going to take a night off. Those things do happen from time to time, of course, uh, just naturally. It seems like it's happening more and more, and it's not really a big deal. Like there was the incident in Cleveland, I want to say about 20 games back or so, where it just seemed like star players were always ducking out when they were playing in Cleveland, which is not great for Cleveland fans who are paying to go to games. And I'm so grateful that, again, the game I went to, the Stars we're all playing. Everyone who is healthy and available, we're playing. That's not always the case in these NBA games. It gives off the optics that the players just don't care about the fans. Now, by far, in my opinion, this is still far more the exception than the rule. When you add that with optics of a player just being able to point to someone and they're out of here, I think there is certainly... There, there needs to be a process in that person getting kicked out. Now, I don't want to go to bat for that guy that Kyrie got kicked out from that game. I mean, he could have been saying something awful. I just That's don't true. know. We don't know what it is. So, yeah. So it's it's all hearsay, and and I don't know. So I'm not going to sit here and defend him. I think my my point would be I would just want to see some kind of process that the NBA has. Like Kyrie talks to security. They talk to fans around him can they vouch for him or not now we can't fully rely on that either you know if he's surrounded by his buddies or whatever like they're not going to rat him out or or whatever i don't know it's it's a messy topic i I definitely agree with that um but to me it's just weird to have a break in the game and a player like kick out a fan like can we at least have some sort of go between like go talk to security, describe the fan so that we don't have the optics of a player like you get out of here. And yes, of course I'm with you. I don't want things to escalate to fighting in the stands and and stuff like that. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that, especially not the NBA who's trying to, you know, protect their image. And, And this is in my opinion, part of it. Yeah. A couple of points. One, I think there's just a lack of security at all sporting events. I just think there's footage that gets leaked online about fans fighting. Always oh, yeah. been multiple yeah. incidents, specifically in major league baseball of, of fans, you know, getting seriously hurt. So I think that's due to a lack of security. So that, that should be improved. And I agree with you. There should be a clear um, SOP in terms of, Hey, player has a problem with the fan security is in the vicinity what happened you know in terms of that incident you know is it warranted to get the fan out of there is it not and then go from there so i agree with you um what i what i will say to your earlier point in terms of the in terms of the fans and their i guess displeasure we had jeff stats on recently 
And he said the league has taken steps to curb low management in terms of, you know, the baseball back-to-backs, um, just limiting just, you know, the back-to-backs in general. Um, and I think that's to be commended for the league. I think you're right, especially where I live in NBA City. You know, it is it would be disheartening just for a player just to sit out. Um, and I think now, especially we've seen this year in particular, it's so tight. Like if you're if your player sits out, you're gonna hurt your team unless you're you know Memphis or Denver. But you take a look at like Dallas can't like Luca can't sit out games, Kyrie can't sit out games. Like they're in a playoff race. Like you're separated by even though the Mavericks are struggling. Like if they get on a little bit of a winning streak here, who knows? I mean, even though the season's you know winding down here, I mean it, it's really tight. I mean you can't afford to sit anybody these days because it's the, the talent in the league is so. Um, close in terms of the the athletes on there, so I I don't know. To me, I in terms of fans being outraged, I gotta see a little bit more of like hardcore data in terms of attendance. I mean, last time I checked, I think attendance is still pretty solid in the league. Um, you have to take a look at television ratings and all those metrics to see, you know, if that's really hurting the league itself. Not to mention gambling as well. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors to include that. I think, is it a bummer for the fans, which I agree with you, which is, it's, it's true. If like the bulls come into town and all of a sudden just Zach Levine just sits out, that sucks. I'm not going to lie to you, but at the same time, is that going to, to the bottom line at the league, is that going to really be hurting the league? I don't know because television ratings really run the league. So, you know, the Thursday night games, that's what they care about Thursday, Saturday, those are the, the games that they care about from a revenue standpoint. I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, really going to care, right? right? You know, so I think there's other dynamics at play in terms of low management, how that's going to really affect the league's bottom line. Yeah, and I guess that would be some of the frustration that I've heard is that yeah. the league, it should be commended. They've been bending over backwards to sure. try and get rid of those back-to-backs, and yet it's been, and I, I would say, I would agree with the point you just made that right now, like we are solidifying playoff spots. So it's less likely for someone to rest. But the fact that it was happening, you know, before the all-star break and, sure. and things like that, and, you know, right around the same time that that Cleveland story was was coming out and, and that was a main headline, you know, I, I think would be the, uh, the concern there. But you're right. Sure. I mean, there's the collective bargaining agreement is going to drive a lot of things. And it's, it seems my perception would be your local teams, uh, your local attendance is going to be much, much more impacted. Um, whereas like your national attendance, um, your, your national viewership for those contracts is going to be much more uh, important to the league and, and keeping their eye on that, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's true. It's tricky. I mean, you have to serve so many different interests at heart. It's just, you know, you're trying to have a balance between everything. It's, it's truly difficult. But I, I was kind of Larry wary of the playing tournament. I actually like it. I think just because we're seeing <clears throat> teams actually be competitive. I mean, if a player is really caring about winning at all costs, if there's a shot to be in the playing tournament, that means they get into the playoffs. You never know. So I think 
the play-in tournament is a helpful addition. Hopefully the NBA keeps evolving um, in terms of preventing low management for sure. For sure. We could talk circles around this all day. We've had a, a good episode covering these most current topics here, the latest and greatest headlines. If you guys made it this far with us, really appreciate you sticking out with us. Uh, thank you so much for your listening, your support. You can get in touch with the show, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Any mailbag questions you might have, you can uh, find us anywhere on social media, hoopsologypod. Justin, any last words before we get out of here? No, uh, you summed up really well. Just check out our um, archived interviews, a lot of um, evergreen content um, just to suit your basketball needs. So just check out our entire library. Absolutely. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Thank you as always for joining us and peace out. See ya. Hoopsology podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best, as you know, in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the performance package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Hoopsology at Manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and all man is a game changer. A huge shout out goes to Manscaped for hooking Matt and I up with the Performance Package. Inside this package, you'll find a lot of useful items. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that you've probably heard of before. You'll also find their new weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. You'll find crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner. Don't sleep on those products, gentlemen. Performance boxer briefs and a travel bag. And for my bearded brethren, and I know there are a lot of you out there, be sure to check out the new Beard Hedger, which is a tool that makes managing your beard so much easier. 20 different instantly adjustable length options. No more messing with multiple clips with your trimmer. It's a really slick and ingenious product. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hoopsology. That's H-O-O-P-S-O. L-O-G-Y at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Hoopsology. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We thank Manscaped for supporting the show.